We're live. All right, welcome everyone to Hebrews and Talks, episode twelve. Whoa, I like the number twelve. Yeah, my brother, my brother had the number twelve on his jersey when he played soccer. Oh yeah. So. Is that some after someone, or just his own number? It was his own number. I'm not sure. I but see. yeah, for some reason, I, it always makes me think of him. Mm. So yeah. Anyways, same old mugs. Yeah, sorry. I know we're being lame with bringing the same mug every week, but uh, <laughs> we promise. Uh, Good, good days are ahead of us. We will have new mugs. <laughs> I have one, actually, that I'm going to bring. Hopefully, if I remember next week, Pete yeah. will remind me, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I got one. But, uh, yeah. So let me give us our layout for today. PE is going to lead us through our devotional. We've been going back and forth, if you haven't noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, after our devotional through the book of Hebrews, we have a primary segment, a continuation of This is Ministry. We're going to talk about uh, sermons, right? Uh, we're going to talk about sermon preps, sermon prepping, uh, how we go about it, different ways to do it. We got some, we got some stories about it, and, um, and we're also going to talk about, you know, the grace in ungraceful preaching. Mm. Um, but yeah, after that, I have uh, some pretty significant and shocking Christian news. Um, I, haven't, I haven't really, you know, told Pastor Gene this. No, I wanted to hear it on uh, while we're recording. So yeah, he wanted to hear it with you guys first time. Yeah. So I'm excited to share this. I shared a, I shared this with a couple of my youth, but it's it's pretty big news, mm. uh, just in general. So I'm excited. All right, I guess uh, I'll dive into the devotional. It's Hebrews chapter ten, uh, verses one th- one through four, and it says, uh, "For since the law has but a." shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near so i'll just pause right there because um we know that in the old testament they had the sacrificial system that was set up uh, under moses where people would have to bring a perfect animal without any blemish physical blemishes uh, offer it on the altar and the priest will um, sacrifice that animal uh, they would actually have uh, the person lay their hands on the head of the animal. By doing so, the sins of that person transfer to the animal. And then the priest would uh, kill it. And then by the shedding of blood, they were forgiven, for, forgiven of their sin. But what Hebrews is saying here is, because that method was only a shadow of what Jesus was going to... So it's, it was only a little, I guess, preview of what Jesus was going to come ultimately do once and for all. So since it was just a preview, it has what no, uh, there was no way to make perfect those who draw near. So those people who came and offered it time and time again, that old way or that temporary way or that, that way that was a preview of what Christ was going to come and do had no power to make that person, uh, person's sins go away forever, mm. right? It was only a temporary solution. They would have to do it time and time again. Uh, every time they sin, which we know is very, very often. So, um, and that's what he's saying in verse two. Otherwise, right, if it was able to make them perfect, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any conscience, consciousness of sins, right? Mm-hmm. So his argument is, if that was the case, if the old way of doing things uh, was final, then all of the Israelites would have only had to make one sacrifice. Because as soon as that sacrifice is made, they're good. But they didn't. The fact that they continually had to make the sacrifice proves that the old way of doing things, the sacrificing of the animal, uh, had no power of keeping them, uh, uh, forgiving them of their sin forever. Mm. Right? Again, it's just a preview of what Jesus was going to come and do. Uh, So rather... The point of all this was in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. They were reminded that they were, sin- that they were sinners. Every year as they brought this sacrifice, they're reminded of their sin uh, because he says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Mm. And we know the only blood that takes away sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why when he shed his blood on that cross, he only had to do it one time. It's not like he has to come down and do it every year for all of those who believe in him. No, it's a one-time de- deal. It was done 
After that, whoever believes in him uh, will have their sins forgiven forever. Uh, we don't have to come and make sacrifices anymore. Uh, so we see uh, the significance of Jesus' death on that cross. He did it once and for all. And for everyone who comes to believe in his name are now forgiven of their sin forever. Mm. And that is yeah. amazing grace and amazing love that God would offer Jesus his own son to be that, that one time sacrifice for everyone. Mm. Amen. Yeah. That's so good. It's so comforting, so encouraging in multiple ways. I think for one, if we still had to do sacrifices to temporarily appease the punishment for sin, which is death, mm -hmm. I think we would waste a lot of meat. We'd waste a lot of like animals. Sure. And so that would suck, right? Because like you said, we know how often we sin. And so we'd have to sacrifice animals like 24-7. But also, <laughs> it's the fact that like Jesus' perfect sacrifice, his precious blood, that it forgives us of past, present, and future sins. That's right. encouraging. Yeah. Uh, not that that gives us an excuse to continue in sin. Right but that we don't have to go through ritualistic sacrifices when we do sin, when we fall into temptation. Right, and so we, fall short. we should never take uh, Jesus' blood for granted, mm. right? Nope. It's so precious. Uh, the power it has, the blood that he shed for us, having the power to forgive all of our sins from, from birth to death, Yeah. right? Uh, and out of that, uh, we you know, do our best to live for him. Yep. Right? It's not to earn salvation, but because we know we're saved by and covered by the blood of Jesus, mm -hmm. we now want to live according to God's word. There's yeah. a big difference there. We're mm -hmm. not doing it out of duty to hopefully earn our spot in heaven. No, that spot has already been taken care of by Jesus. We're there to simply in the freedom because of our love for Jesus, we have to live uh, for him. Yeah, and I think it's important yeah. to make a distinction between what Jesus' sacrifice did with the animal sacrifices because the animal sacrifices like you can't simply just make a sacrifice and if you die the next moment you're forgiven and you go to heaven those the blood of the animals like you were saying before they don't forgive us of our sins they simply temporarily appease the uh the, the punishment for sin which is mm -hmm. death that's why when those uh when the jews after the jews that didn't have genuine faith though they were doing sacrifice ritualistic sacrifices if they died they would still face god as their judge right. because you still need to be you still need to face the punishment of the wrath of God for those sins. And so yeah. the, the sacrifice of, of regular blood animals, it was simply to allow them to continue to live, to continue to live on this earth, experience God and his plans for them and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But Jesus's, Jesus' blood does all of that. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Thank you, PE. All right. Of course. All right. Going into our primary segment, grace in ungraceful preaching. I think that's what it says, or it says unglamorous <laughs> preaching. Same idea. Same thing. Yeah, same I think, idea. I think it sounds even better the first way. Mm -hmm. uh, but sermon prep, I think. Uh, first of all, I think we've talked a little bit about, you know, a lot of people, you know, viewing pastoral ministry very lightheartedly. I think if you look at sermon prep alone, and 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 preaching is one of those things that are like at the top of like what people look forward to right. becoming or going into ministry, right. but actually like. If you look at it objectively, sermon prep alone should actually kind of destroy this this idea that oh pastors kind of just read the Bible and hang out their sheep for fun because actually what what they say is that good sermon prep minimum is forty hours of sermon prep uh, a week for one sermon. Mm. If if now we're gonna talk a little bit about how that's impossible for most pastors, but that's that in and of itself is a full-time job prepare right. for one sermon if it takes 40 hours right and, and we can talk about you know why it would actually take because a lot of people hearing that would be like no way like you just gave a 30 minute sermon that sucked like <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that would be like 40 hours you but wasted like, 40 hours <laughs> <laughs> like you if that's 40 hours you need like 70 but like <laughs> No, but we'll talk a little bit about you know why why it's forty hours, but yeah. but yeah, it, like sermon prep is not is not really a glamorous thing, right? Yeah, right. It's not like a, it just comes to you with like like the Lord doesn't actually just shoot you with lightning and you have this like beautiful sermon prep right. uh, planned out. No, it's it's very rigorous. It's very it hard. Is. Um, 
I guess I, I'll go first and kind of share. Um, for me, it's like uh, people ask, like, how do you know what to what to preach on? Like, how do you decide? Right. Uh, and it's a lot of time and prayer, mm-hmm. um, and just getting a sense for what the flock needs. Right. Uh, I feel when I feel like um, through my prayer, like they're going through hardships. <laughs> I'll I'll do a sermon, kind of like uh, cater towards that to deal with you know hardships. How do we handle it? Maybe like um, Job or yeah. Like Job, and just uh, just kind of getting a sense of where where the sheep are at uh, is a big part of it. But also in that times of prayer, um, God kind of like shows me. Of course, it's not like all done. Here you go, just just say this. I have it prepared for you. But a general idea, and then from that idea, uh, like a general passage along with the idea, uh, and then after that, it's like every morning, you know, prayer. And then I spend, that's my, my, my prime productive hours. Uh, I was never a morning person until I got here. Really? Right? Yes. I I was more of a a night owl. I like the nighttime when everyone's sleeping, but I found morning is basically just like nighttime, just at a different time because they're all sleeping anyway. Right. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. But the thing is like, uh, I know I'm like super tired, but something about that morning and I'm in prayer, I'm, I'm digging through the word. Uh, it gets me really productive from like six to like nine ish is when I'm like, man, I'm I'm really just pumping out. Like mm-hmm. my my brain is going, just everything is in sync. I just like feel like that's my prime. So I spend those hours prepping, you know, for sermon. The other hours I do all the other you know ministry related things. Uh, but in that time, it's a lot of just digging through the word, trying to understand what it says. Uh, sometimes leaning on commentaries uh, mm-hmm. that I find helpful. Um, a lot of it though is. What I've come to know is as I prep for a sermon, it's really shaping me first. Mm. Like, because uh, it's not like I prep during the three hours from six to nine and then I, I forget about it the rest of the day. It's like always on my mind. And I'm thinking it through, like, how can I apply it to my life? How does this relate to me? So, preaching to yourself. so I'm preaching to myself first. So I know sometimes it sounds like I, and I don't intend to, it sounds like I'm talking about someone specific, which is, which is, I'm not, Yeah. if anything, I'm talking to myself first and out of that, you know, for, to everyone else. But, um, I noticed that quite often where it's just like, I'm stabbing my heart first with the word, uh, really repenting, not living the way that I'm studying the word, uh, is shaping me is making me grow. And out of that, um, that that's the, I guess, the three hours that I'm prepping is actual like studying the word, but mm-hmm. the rest of the day, it's on my mind. It's shaping me, mm-hmm. it's shaping my life, how I talk, what I think about, uh, what I'm doing that day yeah. is all affected by this sermon prep. Kind of like how um, this Christians, if you have devotion in the morning, like QT in the morning, you think about that passage the whole day, mm-hmm. right? So if you read about, oh, you should uh, you know watch watch what you say, like you're in James, right? right. You guys know it's my one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. And it says, be careful what you say. Then the whole day you think about that and then you're really trying to be careful what you say. Right? Yeah. Kind of same idea with sermon prep. You see the sermon, you see the points. Uh, that's, what you're, uh, that's what you're getting through the study. But after that, uh, you just think about it constantly. So you're thinking about um, your sermon and that's affecting how you carry out your week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say I'm close to the 40 hours, but I would say maybe about half. Mm for that uh, of course plus minus hours here and there right. just things vary week to week mm-hmm. um but that yeah i think that's about how much you need uh, but i don't actually put everything together until about thursday friday and then saturday mm-hmm. is like when i finalize i have like a couple more illustrations i know some of the youth like <laughs> they enjoy this uh, those things kind of right. come to me yeah very at, on like Saturday, even Sunday morning, when I read through the notes one more time, I'll get another illustration. I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of write it in uh, on my super notes. Super note, best, tablet, super note. best writing tablet there is. Yes, if you don't have one, I'm you're a missing huge out. Fan. Yeah. I'm actually such a huge fan. Yeah, I, I got I got <laughs> it got first, and then he he got it for his notes. But uh, everyone at seminary is asking me about <laughs> it. It's so good. I, yeah, I'm a I'm a trendsetter. Right? Keep, that, <laughs> keep that in mind. Hey, super note, you owe me some gratuity or <laughs> something. Yeah compensation yeah. but uh yeah so i'll make last minute notes even right. on that mm-hmm. uh, and then I, I go up there but i'll be the first to admit i'm not the most like eloquent speaker or like the the best worded and, and i people say that to me i'm like i, I agree <laughs> what? They're like, they're like, you're not the most eloquent. i'm like i know but they, but, they, but <laughs> we'll that, talk about that too yeah. yeah but it's more like uh 
<laughs> the, the points though they they enjoy it because i stick i just stick right through the passage i don't add anything else that doesn't need to be there i just mm. go right through the pass the scripture passage uh, and that's what they appreciate most it seems like from the feedback i get mm-hmm. is that i don't insert all these unnecessary things to make it like a 50 minute sermon it's like hard to follow yeah when right. when like 20 30 minutes is doable because i'm just going straight through and explaining what the passage is mm-hmm. uh, that's my i guess that's the way i was taught at my seminary southeastern but uh, i believe that's the correct way i mean <laughs> but you know each pastor to their own yeah, but, yeah i think i think even even with that i think a lot of people hear that and be like oh that's awesome like like some of you don't even read your Bible. And so like, what makes you think sitting down and like, like really diving deep into one passage the entire week sounds really exciting. And it is exciting. It's mm-hmm. fun. But like, it's actually really nuanced. Like, like pastors, we have to think about a congregation. Like what, 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 what do they need to hear? What do they need to be fed with? How do they need to be trained and equipped for what they're going through in their lives, mm-hmm. the suffering, the complications and, and whatnot. And and we need to be thinking about that, but at the same time, like you were saying, we can't use the pulpit to target people, yeah. specific people. We can't use it to bring forward our own agendas. Right, right. And so we have to like really find this balance of being objective, but subjective in, in a caring sense. Right. Uh, and so we got to think about that. We got to be very wise with that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like simply just thinking of where to preach from. And so like different methods of like preaching, even like thinking through like, like your congregation, that's going to be very, you know, you know, uh, that's going to actually affect, you know, how you preach, right. uh, what you, not just what you preach on and, and uh, how long you can preach and, and uh, the, 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 the illustrations that will work and won't work. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And so mm-hmm. for me, even like going into seminary and hearing that, that number 40 hours, it didn't make sense to me either. I was like 40 hours. Like, how does that make sense? And then as I actually started to actually improve on preaching, but understand not even just my personally, but understand like what is good preaching and what's not, I started to see like, oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Because like anybody, you don't have to be a preacher to know this, but anybody that knows a lot about a specific or particular topic, you know that it's harder to actually squeeze that into a shorter essay. Yeah, Like actually the cutting process of an essay that I'm not talking about last minute essays that you guys write up that we wrote it written <laughs> up. We're not talking because like we're trying to like word waste yeah. so that it like fills up it the fills page. Up pages, yeah, yeah, but if we actually take the entire semester to actually study on the final paper, we understand that we've done enough, enough research to actually make the paper like double the length. Right, right. I'll but actually on. the hardest part of it actually is actually editing, cutting out what right. you don't have to include. Right. Um, and like, that's the same thing with preaching. If you actually do your due diligence, if you've reached those 40 hours, you know the different theological perspectives. You've done your word study. Mm. You've done your Hebrew and Greek. Uh, you've done your Aramaic. You've um, you've really exegeted the passage. You've really read the previous chapter and the, and the following chapter. Mm-hmm. You've done all of these different things. Then you're going to actually have to really focus in on what are the main points. Do I want to include this point? And it's right. going to be a little bit harder. Now that's in an ideal world, uh, but like you were saying, I don't come anywhere near close near uh, forty hours a mm-hmm. week, because, and it makes me think about um, in Acts where Peter says, you know, it's not right for us to give up the preaching of the word to to serve tables, and I think some people take that too far and say like pastors shouldn't, you know, do stoop anything, down yeah. and and, yeah. and do these things. That's not right. That's not right. Yeah. But at the same time, I think um, there is some like direct, like very surface level truth to that. Oh yeah, there should be a, a, a line. Yeah. Right? It shouldn't be consuming like all the time. But of mm-hmm. course we're there to help any way possible, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it is serve. our church, right? Yeah. It is our church. It's supposed to be humble. But right. preaching is important. But it's about like prioritizing, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and so yeah, different methods of preaching. Actually, because this is going to my third year, like two years and some change, I've like been back and forth. I'm still trying to like figure out mm-hmm. even now, like my kind of set way. Um, I actually really do like the verse by verse, kind of just simply following the format of how the word itself actually structures the message, find the main point and actually going verse by verse, fitting in, you know, explanation and, and uh, illustrations in there. And that's what I've been actually kind of uh, leaning more towards. Mm-hmm. But actually also I see... Like I said, like your congregation is going to shape how you preach as well. Yeah. For example, like more educated 
individuals and congregants like for example tim keller rest in peace mm-hmm. he's with the lord now uh good for him but uh he was preaching to people in new york highly educated a uh, very well-paying jobs right and so he was actually he was required more so than other you know the average pastor to actually give statistics and be more uh, analytical in his preaching and mm-hmm. actually be a lot more structured but for example like um Francis Chan, whom we love, obviously, if mm-hmm. you've seen our previous episodes, he preaches more towards, you know, college students and he goes to conferences. And, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't have the luxury to be able to like dive into like statistics. And he really is like more catered towards like big themes and a yeah. lot of illustrations. And he yeah. doesn't do a lot of you know Greek and Hebrew. He knows this stuff. Yeah, yeah. He went through a very re- reputable uh, seminary. And so he definitely knows this stuff. Uh, but like he... Uh, his preaching style is more very like genuine. It's like a conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's def- different methods for me. Like uh, like most pastors, we try to figure out the passage as much as possible, um, as early as possible. I should say mm-hmm. uh, Monday, Tuesday, maybe even like the week before when you're not preaching that passage, you know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I think what actually helps is is what I usually try to do at least on Sundays is I try to preach through books, and so like. Um, this is advice that, I, that was given to me by my discipler. I didn't always follow this advice, but I actually see the virtue in it of uh, preaching through books. Oh, yeah. Um, one, it helps the congregants. It helps them understand a general understanding of the message uh, of not just that chapter, but the, the running theme throughout right. the book. The whole book yeah. um, it helps them actually remember the previous sermons, the last week's sermons, and whatnot. Right. And actually even helps us personally. We don't have to be thinking about, okay, God, like, what do I preach from this week? Mm-hmm. And so I like to preach uh, book by book. What's interesting is for the youth, you don't, you don't have the luxury of, and you know this, but like you don't have the luxury of, of having them for prolonged years. Yeah, yeah. You have at max six, seven years, depending on whether it's six to 12th or seven to 12th, or even if you're just simply high school, then it's just four years max. Mm-hmm. Because, and so you can't, you can't preach all of Genesis. There's just no way. You can't preach all 50 chapters every single week because that's, that's one... Uh, if you if you and that's with you you know squeezing an entire chapter for that Sunday yeah which is kind of tough to do it's impossible yeah and so you want to actually give them as much as you can a broad sense of of the words of God and so I don't do every single chapter of, of each book um, but I'll, I'll usually stick to a book depending on like you said praying about what you know what book they need to hear from um, and then Monday through Tuesday I'll be just kind of thinking it through I'll try to read it throughout the week. Wednesday is when I'll solidify the verses and I'll, I'll think of the passage itself and I'll send that to uh, the worship team so they can actually decide, you know, what, what songs is saying. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday and Friday, like you said, is when I actually solidify and have it down in an outline. Um, and this is where my acting background comes in, but I actually, actually really do uh, think, not that it's a performance, but like a lot of pastors, they don't actually put in the hours of, of practicing the delivery mm-hmm. of the sermon, whether it's just in your head or whether it's like mumbling to yourself, whether you 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 go into the bathroom, you actually you know perform yeah, yeah. to yourself, you preach to yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if I'm being honest though, like, oh man, like I probably weekly, like, just if I'm not including like my time of me thinking about the passage and so like actually sitting down doing the study and the outlining and the and the practicing of it i'm only including that i probably reach like 10 hours if even 10 if i'm being honest Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah like even with 10 some people are gonna think 10 is a lot but like even with 10 you can actually tell like no like you need more than that Mm -hmm. um but yeah i usually do verse by verse as well yeah and i mean for PSK, it's different because he also has to juggle a seminary and all that, too. So there's a lot going on. There's only so many hours in a day yeah. um, to do everything that you need to do. Um, yeah, so every pastor, I'm sure, has different um, styles. I know a lot of pastors, they write out word for word what they're going to say. Right. Um, a manuscript. Which I do that if I had to do it in Korean, preach in Korean, because I don't trust myself to get to just kind of freely talk about it with just a outline but for the english sermons for me it's just like just outline bullet points uh bullet points uh and then just the the references that i have it i have it there so it kind of leads me 
guys it be it kind of as kind of is my guide for mm. the sermon just going through the references um but yeah so i do outline some people like to do the full-on uh manuscript right. uh, you, others is your is your is your outline just straight up like bullet point after bullet point bullet point just like that just across the page pretty much with like the with the verse so each section will have its own oh, so one two three so. and then next section next section and then I'll have minor points for some of the points. Just so, like, I, I know I'll remember it, but then for some that are really important, I, do, I like to have it there just so that I, I make sure I don't forget. Mm. Um, and the references kind of help me to keep track of where I am. So I know, like, oh, I have about five minutes left, ten minutes left. And then if I see I'm running behind or if I have some time, I can kind of slow it down to, uh, to, to the time that I have. Mm. Um, but then there are some pastors who just memorize their whole thing. Right, which is insane. Yeah, which I think uh, that comes with time. I think that comes with uh, just experience too. That's that's a part of it. Uh, but I guess is another thing is that's how deep into the word they get. It's like it becomes so personal to them that they're able to just speak it out because I guess in, in one sense they're, they're living it out mm. or they've experienced it. So just like how we don't re- necessarily have to write our testimony, we can share it any time i think that's kind of why they're able to preach without any any kind of visual aid and nothing they just kind of they're, they're good to go mm-hmm. so hopefully one day i think in english it might i might be able to get there but there's no way if it has to be in korean <laughs> be to get to that point i'll probably stick to manuscript forever for korean it's just uh, i will never get to the point where i feel comfortable even doing an outline yeah uh, in korean yeah for me i I enjoy preaching. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it is one of like the most enjoyable things for me for ministry. Like, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't make it the most important, but like, I do actually think about throughout the week. Like, I'm like, how awesome would it be? Not that like once I finish seminary, I'll have more time, but that like if I could actually focus like forty hours in the week into preaching, and I yeah. like start to think maybe it's from pride, but like I start to think like, oh, like how good. Would the sermons be if i had that much time mm. i would memorize it i would know it inside out like right, right and uh part of that's true um but yeah for me the outline i i actually i like i started to use an outline template that our preaching and communication professor at seminary he gave to us mm-hmm. and it starts with like intro and so you right. give like an intro to it and right. then it starts and then it goes to uh, explanation which is like the next section which is like actually explain the text and you know what they need to know from the text observations main points and then it goes into um illustration to actually connect the passage to the audience and then it goes into application i took that i started with that and actually started to tweak it a little bit mm-hmm. uh as i started to preach uh more often uh as i get more experience like i do the intro and I think in the intro, I try to actually throw in a in a illustration up front, especially with youth. I feel like it helps uh, them to understand. And then after the intro, I I do go into usually I go into explanation. So I'll read the passage again. I'll explain like the main points, any like background information they need they need to know to understand this. And then actually, instead of actually having an entire section of illustration. I'll actually throw illustrations in throughout. And so like maybe in the middle of an explanation of a text or even afterwards, I'll have multiple illustrations throughout. And I think one, it helps with the youth, uh, but also I think it just helps with people in general to like connect it. And so, yeah. So for me personally now, illustration is not like in a set position in my, in my preaching. It's like, it's thrown around everywhere that I can actually, that I actually can find a place to squeeze it into. And then after I finish explanation slash illustration, I'll go into application. I'll talk about, all right, now that this is the truth, now that we've hopefully connected it with you guys, what to do with it. But then after I realize, like, for me, I don't know about you, for me, like, I hate, I like, I get so OCD about, about my preaching and, and it really bothers me a lot. And, and especially if, like, I don't know how to conclude mm. a message well, because there's a lot of pastors who, like, who start off really strong, who are very passionate. And at the end of it, they'll just be like, this is wrong. Or like, this is the truth. All right, like, yeah, let's, let's pray. pray. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I like, it's, it's kind of cringe to me. Like, I don't judge them. Like when other people did that, like it didn't really bother me that much. Mm-hmm. It did 
I did realize like, wait a minute, like that's the end. Like, like what was the message about? What's the main point? Mm-hmm. And so for me, like when I started to give those endings, I was like, oh man, like I really don't like that. Mm. And so like, instead of ending with application, like this is what you need to do. I actually have, a, I added a new thing called conclusion. And in the conclusion statement, I'll either recite the main point right. or I'll kind of just tie everything together. Right. And I'll try to make it a little bit poetic right. and like make it sound good. And I'll, I'll end with that concluding statement and then I'll pray. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds similar. I have an intro, I have a conclusion. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, sometimes when I'm concluding, I feel like I'm landing the plane and, I, and then I go, go back up. <laughs> And I circle around and I land the plane. And I go back. I, yeah. I feel like I do that a couple of times, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, just land the plane, just land the plane now, <laughs> just land the plane. I, I just keep doing it. So, uh, and then sometimes yeah. you're like about to land, you just like crash the last yeah. like thirty like, feet. Let's pray. But speaking of, I guess, I guess we can. Uh, d- uh, we have some, probably some stories about just um, some mishaps or just some things that happen during during preaching and for me yeah. i realized most of mine are during uh, morning prayer because uh, you know my brain is only half up and then i'm speaking in korean instead of english mm-hmm. but i remember um when i when i was getting started you know i started doing this when we got to when i got to uh, the current church i'm at but i'm up there and i'm preaching in the middle of it my surface freezes your service I, pro yeah my service pro freezes and i, and I tell everyone I just give me one second. I try to like do all these things. It didn't work. Um, and I heard the other pastors that were in there, they were thinking like, oh, did, did it like update all, all of a sudden? Or like they're trying to think, mm-hmm. think like what, what is happening? And so after a while, like nothing uh, would work. So uh, right then I remember what the point was. So the rest of it, the, the last like quarter of it, I was able to just, just do it from memory. Uh, but the prayer part was hard because there's so many things we got to pray for like upcoming church events, mm-hmm. uh, pray for who, those who are physically ill or, or hurting, yeah. uh, pray for the church, pray for our senior pastor, and pray for our missionaries. There's so many things I got to pray for. And I was trying to do that by memory. So I remember like kind of stumbling through uh, the prayer portion. But thankfully, uh, the, the preaching part after that, about a minute pause, which has never happened ever in my life where there was like a minute pause. But there was a minute pause of me panicking, trying to like restart, reboot, try to do whatever. It didn't work. So, but then right then, so I remember what the next point was, and I, and I was able to, to continue on. Mm-hmm. Did you mention the, it was in Korean? That, yeah, it was in Korean. Korean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's why you couldn't just like free, freestyle it. Yeah. But a minute is a long time. It is. Like, I, I don't think people understand, like, when you're up there, there are times where, like, when I first started preaching, like, I would have to, like, constantly look back and mm-hmm. up, up, up and down on my notes. And, like, when I got lost in my notes, like... Mm-hmm. I th- it felt like I was forever. Yeah, it felt like ten <laughs> seconds. And like yeah. you look back at the recording, just check sound or like actually check up on like if it made sense or whatnot. And it and it was like two seconds. Yeah, right. Like it literally feels, it feels like forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't had any experience like that yet. Thank God. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, not 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 to that extent. But there was a time where like I actually started taking the super note up to preach. But I think. It might be for all tablets, but like I feel like if your case has a magnet to it, and then you actually press it up against the 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 tablet, and then you press it onto I don't know what it. This is just me guessing based on experience. But if you press it up onto like a metal like stand or whatever it is, because I use like a music mm-hmm. stand. Music stand, yeah. It it like turns the the thing off. Like that's what happened with my Service Pro. Like thankfully it wasn't while I was preaching. I was like setting up. My case had a magnet, and I'll mm. fold the case backwards, and I'll put it on the metal stand, and it would turn off. And then I was like, "What? What was happening?" And when I just like kind of like didn't put it on the back, I just let let it lay out, lay on the stand, mm. it wouldn't turn off. Mm. And the same thing was happening, but it was while I was preaching this time. Thankfully, the uh, the supernova wasn't turning off; it was just like kind of like sleeping. I had to keep like turning it back on. Ah, I was kind of okay, confused. Okay. okay, okay. Um, but I got I stumbled a little bit on that. Um. And like, I remember one time where this is when I first started, when I was first a pastor and I started preaching for, like for the very, like first few times. And I, and I, I tried to, I was straight out of college. I was trying to like live the college lifestyle while being a pastor. So like it was, it was Saturday night. I got two hours of sleep and then I, I woke up and, and went to church early in the morning at like 630 in the morning as we do. So I was on two hours of sleep and I was preaching 
I think from Exodus. And I was like, I didn't even realize I said this, but I was, I was turning to the passage and I was like, all right, guys, today we're in Exodus. Everyone turned to Exodus. And I repeated a couple of times so that they can actually, you know, take time to like get there and they don't forget. And then I said, all right, everyone turn to Moses chapter three. And like, I just like, it's because I was so tired. I was thinking about Moses and I was going to Exodus, but I said Moses chapter three. Yeah, and, and I didn't notice until like later where my youth kids were like, did you notice like what you said? They're like, you said Moses. And we were like, Moses. And I was like, what? And I looked back and, and I did say Moses. But, I'm sure uh, they yeah. knew what you meant. Yeah, because I said it right the first time. Right, right. And the last time, right before I read it, I wrote Moses. And I said Moses. So they were like, what? Mm. <laughs> like as I started reading. But uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, sleep, sleep is very important. Because... <laughs> uh, I think that's what it is. Like all of my, these kinds of little mishaps are happening at morning prayer when I'm speaking in Korean instead of English. Mm. But there's one where uh, I was, I was preaching and the, everything was working fine. It's just that I just had given an illustration about a tongcha, so like a junk car. So that was on my mind. And I was trying to say tang, like land, but it came out as tung, right? And the people, <laughs> I think, uh, and it took me like all of my strength to not bust out <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Can I, and the thing was, I was trying to emphasize tang, right? So I was like, tong, like really, really, like really accented, right? And then I said, oh, tang. And then I kept on moving. Uh, so I didn't like apologize. I didn't even like, I just, I just put it, it didn't happen. Oh, I just man. said tang and it just kept on going. Uh, but yeah, that's another memorable one. And well, the, the associate pastor that was there was telling me like he and his uh, wife like cracked up all morning because he, he went home to tell like the, the, the morning prayer like sermon. Oh, to man. to his wife so she'll know like what the sermon was and like he explained like they were dying the whole morning so he thanked me for that uh for that morning uh full of full of laughter but uh yeah those oh, mishaps do happen um i'm sure there are so many other stories but again not too many really when i was speaking in english everything was okay but there are also times when you preach and you just think like oh man that sermon was so good like to yourself oh, like, yeah. all right i did a really sure. good job mm -hmm. And I'll come home and my wife will be like, what the heck was that? <laughs> She's like, how long did you study for that sermon? I was like, well, it's the same, like about 20 hours. She's like, are you sure? Like, you, that was, I don't know what that was. Right. Like, and I'm, I'm thankful for my wife. She's very mm. critical. But then there are times where I'm like, that was so bad. Like, I don't think anyone got blessed. And my wife will be like, that was really good. Like, when I get yeah. home, I'm like, what? That was just, yeah. So, so it goes to show, like, yes, yeah, so you can prep. Mm -hmm. uh, and do everything the same and to you it sounds like it's, it's amazing it can sound it can not be so for others and the vice versa yeah uh, it really shows that like we of course put in the work to do our best mm -hmm. but the receiving of it is truly the holy spirit yeah right holy spirit uh, moves that person's heart to use i guess what you would think is a ill-prepared sermon yeah. to really bring that person to christ yeah. and some where you just think oh man that sermon was really great and then it doesn't it doesn't yeah. it doesn't like reach anyone yeah so in the end it's not even about us but of course we do our best uh it's it's all about god uh, moving in that person's heart to receive mm -hmm. that word that day amen yeah the prep is important right yeah. like i think there's 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 peace in that like i think for me personally the ocd of like oh like i like really i used to tie my word it's not this bad anymore but i would tie my worth as a pastor to like how eloquently i gave i delivered mm -hmm. my sermons and like oh, yeah. this really bothered me. Like I remember it would ruin Sundays and like times of fellowship for me. Like my first year or so, mm -hmm. year and a half. And then I remember I was in like preaching class and, and the professor was telling us like your first like it was either a thousand or ten thousand sermons. Either way, he was like, They they should suck. And that like lifted a burden off mm -hmm. my shoulder, like a weight off my shoulder. Because he said, because he was also preaching like at, a, at an American, and this is not being, you know, like, but at American churches, like they actually believe that like the senior pastor doesn't have to really preach, um, you know, every, all 52 sermons of the year. So they'll like on average, he actually told us like, he'll preach like 30 to like 40 sermons a year. So that's like 15, 20 years of preaching. Oh, yeah. so for me, I was like, wow, like I actually have an excuse to suck. Like, it's okay that I suck. It's my first year. It's my second year. And so that gave me a little bit of peace, but prep does matter. You don't want to just... Yeah, go yeah. up there and like just, just wing, wing it, it. Yeah. yeah like you don't want to do that like uh, that's not being faithful to your congregation right. that's not being faithful to the words of god that's not that's, that shows your lack of faith in the words of god but at the same time yeah like even like last week we had a revival mm -hmm. and on uh on saturday i was i was talking 
my youth is actually going through a series on Saturdays. This is the first series we're going through on Saturdays. On Sundays, mm-hmm. we have series, but Saturdays, as usually, just share like convictions. But on Saturdays, we started this thing called apologetics and philosophy, where I talk about, where I've been explaining to them, like, our church does, and most churches do the what really well, like the proclaiming of the truth. And they even do the how very well, which is the application, what to do with that truth, how to live your life. Mm-hmm. But a lot of churches don't talk about the why. Like, mm-hmm. that's, where, that's where seminary comes in. And the why is like, you know, why it is that we believe in the what, why it is that we should want to do the how. And, and so I've been actually giving, letting them know like, hey, like we can actually be confident and actually provide a defense, as it says in First Peter 3, I believe, uh, a defense for the hope and the faith that we have and the truth mm-hmm. that we, that we uh, abide ourselves in. And so like I gave this whole spiel, this, this uh, I was going through, you know, what the words said and, and why it was so important to actually support the stance of pro-life, mm-hmm. that it wasn't a political debate, that it's actually, mm-hmm. it's much deeper than that. It goes all the way to Genesis 3, oh, yeah. 15, yeah. where God curses the serpent and says, you're going to be forever in opposition with the seed, the offspring of the woman. Mm-hmm. That's obviously pointing to Jesus, right. but it's also pointing to his image bearers, like humans. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I presented, this is the opening, but I presented to the youth, like, um, how do you actually fight against the offspring of the woman before the battle begins you kill them before they're they're, mm-hmm. they're born right. uh, at their conception and uh from there it just went downhill like i thought it was terrible and i was like oh my gosh like i didn't explain that well at all like some of the girls seem offended and mm-hmm. I, was, I was trying to be sensitive about right. it and gentle but afterwards i was like oh that was so bad like they're gonna be pro-choice and it's gonna be my fault and then uh they went into their life groups and my life group leaders sent me uh reports on how what was shared every single week either Saturday night or Sunday morning, so that I know what to pray for that Sunday morning before service and after. But uh, like so many notes we're talking about, like, wow, i never seen it that way. Some of the youth actually changed their minds. They were, yes, Christians, but they didn't, under, they didn't agree with pro-life, they were pro-choice. And they're like, wow, like now, it's, now I see. And like, I was like, wow, like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, it really, and it really goes to show that it's not us. You know, it's the spirit right. and the truth. And it really is, there's power in the words of God. Right. As Hebrews says, you know, the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, it cuts to the, to the bone and, and to the minds and right. the heart. And, uh, and so there is grace in ungraceful preaching, I think. Yeah. And I think uh, just a, some, a thought came to mind as you were sharing about how you were scared, like they might be all pro-choice. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's another reason why preaching is so hard, because not because you're standing in front of people, which of course that does, for some, like uh, affect them. It makes them kind of, afraid to preach because you're standing in front of people and they're all watching right. it they're listening to you and that pressure of public speaking right yeah uh, but it's also because we're presenting god's word and we don't want to be incorrect or, or speak a false truth yeah. or misrepresent god's word because then has it could have eternal consequences it could uh have someone you know stray even further from god or never meet god uh, never accept christ uh, that that weight is on us because it's up to us to share the word properly uh, so that they can come to understand the gospel uh, so that that can bring them to eternal life. Right. But if we, in our, that's why prep is so important too because if we're not prepping right, we might say something incorrect that's not intended in God's word mm-hmm. and that very thing could be something that leads someone else uh, away from God. Yeah, and or that's even on you. like, yeah. We, we might have not even intended to say right. that. It that just too. came out a weird way because we right. weren't prepared. Right, right. That yeah. too. So that's another reason why uh, I think preaching is hard because yeah. we're preaching the words of God. Yeah. If it's just giving a speech, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't need, you know, 20 hours or 40 hours. Like yeah. Giving a speech is no big, because there's no pressure. You're just, you just talk. You're just talking. But this is like sharing and explaining God's word to the people. Yeah. And we want to make sure we're 100% uh, correct them in what we say yeah. and how we present things. That's why James says, I think it's James, right? You would know better yeah. than me, but James says, not all of you brothers should, should be, be teachers. teachers. Yeah. Right? For God will actually judge harshly based mm-hmm. on what you say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, based on what teachers say. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, I think hopefully for the listeners, this will actually, actually help you, you know, as mm-hmm. you listen to sermons, as opposed to thinking like, oh, like, which sermon is good and which sermon is bad, which I guess holds some truth and weight to it. Mm-hmm. But more than that, hopefully you actually look for the truth yeah. uh, um, and, the, and the virtue of truth itself. Right. Uh, not, not just, you know, the, the delivery of it. Uh, there's a lot of like, 
they're kids and they don't understand. They don't know any better, but like a lot of youth, like they'll see me working on my sermon on Friday and they'll be like, you're not done yet. I'm like, like you have no idea. <laughs> and like, I just like have to like be patient. And I'm like, nah, like, yeah, I had this and all that, that kind of stuff. I try to explain, but yeah, that's, that's very normal mm-hmm. for pastors to like, even like the night before sometimes on like nights where you have to like do visitations and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't want to dive too deeply into this, but like not even just sermon prep, but like sermon, like preaching and teaching are not the same thing. And so I actually even believe not that you you don't you have to separate the, the approach, but like I don't I don't I don't teach the way that I preached. I don't I don't even prep the way that I like my my preaching prep contains my teaching prep, but my teaching prep excludes a lot of my preaching prep. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. And so the, obviously prayers and both of these things and. And whatever I'm doing to learn the passage, I'm doing while I'm for my for my preaching prep. But like when it comes to teaching, like I'll just have like notes of like uh, very important observations, context. Right. Like I'll just like deliver these things, and right. I won't emphasize illustration that that much. Right. It's a lot more relaxed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, preaching is hard, um, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but same time, a lot of responsibility. Yeah, because they're they're hearing. From us, uh, God's word. So we have to be on top of it. Yep. Yeah. Sure. All right. Um, I guess uh, we're. All, I think we're all waiting for that Christian news. All the, right. The big thing. This is huge. Um, I think this is one of those things where I can gas it up, mm-hmm. and it'll still be like very shocking, very encouraging to Christians okay. at least. But uh, this is about Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, just very briefly, Sodom and Gomorrah was a they were twin cities, and they were very wicked cities. They were filled with people who were practicing paganistic rituals, and, and Abraham and Lot and, and their wives, they were in these cities, and, and Lot, as they were escaping the city, because Lot was actually trying to you know, um, intervene and mediate between the Lord and these cities and the sinners in these cities. But, uh, but God said, there's nobody that is, that is redeemable. Like, everybody's wicked. There's not, there's not a single righteous person. So you and your family leave and don't look back. If you know the story, the Sunday school story, they leave and on the way out, no one looks back, but, uh, but Lot's wife can't, can't take it. And so she turns around out of curiosity as the Lord is, as the Lord is um, uh, pouring his wrath upon mm-hmm. these two twin cities. And she, because she sees God's glory, she, she dissolves into like a pillar of salt, basically. Yeah. Um, that's that story um and i think it's helpful to mention like that's one of those stories where like it's kind of like like is that really like a lot of like people can be skeptical skeptical and critical like even believers like like hear that sunday school story and they're like ah like is that really what happened like did fire really fall from the heavens Mm -hmm. and, and and destroy the city or was it simply just like another army or whatever it was is an exaggeration or simply just a tale. But actually, this, this is where the significance of archaeological evidence comes in. Where if you actually go to the holy city, you go to Jerusalem, you can actually see like the streets that Jesus walked in and that the places that you see in the yeah. gospels. And you see archaeological evidence for the people like that they that they actually existed. Like Pontius Pilate, yeah, yeah. Uh, Josephus, who was the one that gave up his tomb for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have archaeological evidence for him. And so if you actually have evidence for people in history, then actually the stories that we find here, they become more uh, historical. Right. Uh, not that we, we lack it, uh, we lack faith in that, but Sodom and Gomorrah is one of those stories where it's a little bit harder to believe, you know, that story. But they actually found this city and they, they believe like like a non-Christian archaeologist believed that this is the biblical historical Sodom and Gomorrah. Up to this point, they actually didn't really have evidence for the evidence, the existence of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so this is another city like the uh, Palace of David or like the City of David where they, they're like, okay, wow, like this is a historical place. And so they found Sodom and Gomorrah. Now they had this like big conference and they're like recording this, this, uh, this discussion with like archaeologists and like scholars and whatnot. And there, there was Christian scholars in there as well, biblical scholars. Mm-hmm. And they were asking these questions and they asked the people, the archaeological team that discovered the city, like, did you guys find evidence of like arrows or like weaponry there, a broken weaponry? Because that's actually, it, that's what they look for when it comes to finding lost cities because like mm-hmm. that, that can actually tell 
it's very telling like how the the city went under and whatnot. Uh-huh. And so they actually the guy who was speaking got very like oh, like we didn't want to we didn't want to dive into this. But uh but no, we we didn't find any arrows. Uh we found something else. And they were like, "Well, what did you find?" And uh and he said, "We found um evidence of intense heat." And and that was it. And there and everyone was like, "What?" And like and they were like, it was a natural, like, cause that destroyed the city. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. And that's, not, that's as deep as it went. But apparently, supposedly afterwards, like, when the cameras turned off, these scholars rushed to this one individual and said, okay, tell us what's really going on. What did you find? And he said, what we found was as we actually start to look around, we found this, like, gloss over this, like, pottery. And they thought their their evidence was destroyed because like glossing of pottery wasn't actually a part of their design at that during that era. And they're like, oh, this can't be Sodom mm-hmm. and Gomorrah. But then what they found out was they sent it into the lab and they came back and they said, it's not glossing. It's a, I think the element element is called, it starts with the T. It's like uh, tritium, maybe. And they're, they're like, it's tritium and whatever the element was. And they said, what is that? What is tritium? And they said, well, basically when an atomic bomb gets set off, it's what happens to like it like it creates glass over mm-hmm. like surfaces and so it's like intense heat waves mm-hmm. right it's like an explosion went off in the city and uh they start to further you know excavate the city and they found like this skeleton where like where the sun came in or like the heat came in and this this part of the body wasn't like burned but the top part was and they found like roofs that were like melted off and what happened was their conclusion was a meteorite mm-hmm. hit and crashed into the city. And the, the biblical scholars were like, maybe, but we'll tell you what happened. They were like, what, what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years, where God destroyed this, sent fire from the heavens and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so like evidence for Sodom and Gomorrah, not only evidence for Sodom and Gomorrah, but evidence of, of intense heat, fire from the heavens that destroyed the city is actually out in the open now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like, a lot of archaeologists, scientists are actually very nervous about this discovery. Mm. Um, but, but Christians are going crazy because like it's, it's proof. It's, it's, it's evidence. It's concrete evidence that, that you know, the things talked about in the words of God are actually mm. true. Yeah. Which is crazy. That is crazy. That's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to dive into that some more. Yeah. Just Google. I don't yeah. have it with me, but uh, I Googled it right before this too. There's a bunch of, you know, uh, sites and news channels and and uh, websites that are actually talking about this just google uh evidence of sodom and gomorrah like discovery of sodom and gomorrah and you'll mm. see a bunch on it but yeah it's, it's crazy yeah i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> like um i think so of course like i believe mm-hmm. the sodom and gomorrah happened right. but at the same time like if god destroyed a city would he have left evidence for us to find like, mm. would we even be able to f- get any evidence? Like, would it just be just completely destroyed and, like, non-existent? That would be my thing. Like, mm, how, how, because it says destroyed. I just can completely, in my mind, see it as just annihilated. Like, there's no evidence of mm. anything. But then to have found evidence, I mean, of course, I believe Sodom right, and Gomorrah right. happened. But you, you know what I'm getting at? Right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that oh, even I possible see, to see. find evidence that God even destroyed Sodom mm-hmm. and Gomorrah? Because... Yeah. He says he destroyed it, which I would take it literally as there's no evidence left behind whatsoever. Right. I guess like, yeah, there is uh, the possibility that like it's not Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, but it's just interesting that like they, that's that's where they concluded even before finding this evidence that this is probably the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. That they, mm-hmm. they weren't looking for Sodom and Gomorrah. Right, right, right. right. They were just doing what archaeologists do. Right. They were just digging. And they found like remains of a city and they were like, oh, this is a city. Let's look at actually what this city could be. Right. And they thought, they decided their theory was Sodom and Gomorrah. And then they concluded with whatever destroyed this city, it wasn't an army, it wasn't people, it was a natural phenomenon. Natural. And it was yeah. heat. It had to do mm-hmm. with intense heat. Uh, like an, And they explained it like as if it was an atomic bomb that went off mm-hmm. in the midst of that city. Which, in that time, there was nothing that, right. that could actually do that. Right, right. right. Um, but on top of that, no, I guess you're right. But actually... I failed to mention in the surrounding area, they actually, they actually found, not that they found Lot's wife, but mm-hmm. they found pillars of salt. 
they found actually things and uh things that actually as a result of this explosion actually turned into salt. salt uh which is actually really interesting too which which could be alluding to you know what, uh, what we find in the scriptures but yeah i guess um i'm not sure uh that, that's, that's a fair point, I think. Like, when I imagined it as a kid, I, I imagined, like, the sea be, being just completely annihilated. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah. I but mean, the pillar of salt, it could be other people that turned around. Like, of course, it's not like yeah, only not, Lot's wife turned right. around. I'm sure yeah. lots of people turned around. They right. turned to pillar of salt. It's yeah. just Lot's family knew if you turned around, you turned to pillar of salt. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it could be true, too. Could be, yeah. Yeah. Because it's just uh, exciting. Because it, it kind of my my similar, I think how you're reacting to Solomon and Gomorrah's, Gomorrah's discovery is how I reacted to uh, in space. They found uh, what looks like Earth, but it's a little bit bigger as water has landmass. It looks just like Earth. It's a bigger oh, version. That, yeah. And I was like to my wife, could it be the new Earth? That God already has it oh. set. And she's like, yeah, right. Like we'll be able to like discover it. I'm like, yeah, but we discovered, but we, there's no way for us to like get there. Right. We could get there later. Like who knows? Right. So I, I, I kind of feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm where you're at. I mean, you're, you're where I'm at with this with, regards with to this new earth. Cause yeah, right, right. my first thought was maybe that's a new earth that God has already, cause God's outside of time. He doesn't have to wait for it. End of yeah. the earth. Too. He already has it for us. And we just all mm-hmm. just go there once right. everything's over. Right. But, um, yeah, so who knows? It could be a new earth. It could be Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, but yeah. like, I just feel like it's interesting that when you see the trajectory of like not just archaeological discoveries, but like, um, just like as we're learning more, of mm-hmm. like as we're discovering more things about the earth, about mm-hmm. history and whatnot, it's like the words of God are actually becoming more and more true. Yeah. Right? Like, the first thing that I think about about is when scientists, when, when the world thought the earth was flat. Yeah. The Bible was right on that. Um, and then later on, we like they started to say, like, oh, Israel was, there's no proof that Israel was even a nation, a legit nation. This could have just been, like, just fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And then they found, you know, like, actually remains of, like, the city of David and, like, yeah. proof for the kingship. Actually, that, that Oh, yeah, yeah. There are pillars with all the names of kings exactly. and, like, recordings mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Yep. Everywhere. Yeah. And so, like, I just think, like, we're gonna find. We're gonna discover more and more until really, like, there is no excuse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was exciting. And, uh, yeah, that is of, very cool, though. Yeah, a lot of people are going crazy. Like, yeah. for example, like I don't know if I ever talked about this, but there's like evidence for a worldwide flood too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That for sure. Yeah. That's been going on for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are actually talking about that as yeah. well. Because uh, peaking interest actually. Because in even in other parts of the world, there are stories of a. Mm-hmm of a flood that yeah. covered the whole earth yeah. is not just in the Bible yeah. that serves as evidence. Like, Oh, it's, it should have happened. How else, how can we all from different parts of the world have the same story mm-hmm. about the yeah. earth being covered? Plus like other things too. But right. that, I just remember from top of my head mm-hmm. and that was one of the evidence. It's like, yeah. like so many other narratives similar where there's a worldwide flood. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That's uh, just thought it was exciting. I knew I was going to share this like a week ago, but, uh, no, no, yeah. that is exciting. Yeah. And, you know, if it turns out it's true, I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we do know uh, evidence or no evidence. Sodom and Gomorrah did happen. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. Uh, hopefully, you know, this all this buzz uh, kind of gets people in, uh, intrigued and they do their own research and it brings unbelievers to Christ. I think that's ultimately... Uh, the thing that should happen, right? Whenever yeah. these archaeological things or other scientific evidence uh, comes to comes to uh, surface, um, I feel like a lot of the intellectuals, right, a lot of the really smart people who have a hard time believing there's God, I'm sure uh, it moves their hearts, it opens their minds oh, yeah. a little bit more uh, sure. to accepting that the Bible is truth, and that mm-hmm. that hopefully leads to them accepting that Christ is the truth. Yep. Amen. Uh, yeah. I guess, um, like always, like we always say when we close, um, hit like, subscribe, share, yeah. all that good stuff. Follow mm-hmm. us on social media. Yep. You don't want to miss episode 10. I mentioned this last episode too. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, but definitely subscribe so you guys don't miss our episodes. Yeah. yeah. Follow right. TikTok too. Our TikToks are getting a lot of views actually, which is pretty yeah. interesting. But people on TikTok, please, right? Like, check us out. Check out well, full episodes. I think we're gonna make uh, some funny ones too. It won't be just all recap. Yeah, of, we'll. Yeah, we'll we'll think of something. To, yeah, we'll do some trends to entertain are, y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do our own take on like trends and whatever. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. Have all a right. good week. We'll see you next time.
Get us some, guys. Bye.